Carson Wentz is open to sharing snaps with with uh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, why not? He's still going to get his full contract and let Jalen Hurts take half the beating. That's just smart. Yeah. On, that's just smart on Wentz's part. He's going to extend his career by five years. The twenty 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 one quarterback prospect signed with LSU. I guess don't think that's no. I don't think we're going to start covering high school sports on this podcast. I mean, that's college sports, really, but not until he takes a snap. True. Um, honestly, he's the sixty second overall prospect, so who cares? Wow, he's a top ranked quarterback at sixty seven. That's not. It's not saying a lot. Apparently, it's a new, a slow news day, Chris. It really um, is a slow news day. We're having trouble figuring out topics for this show past our main topics. We got something for next episode, but that's for next episode. Yeah, I didn't do any research on that yet because I wanted to get this done. I got, I got, I got to do it on Thursday. You ready? Want to do a show? I'm ready to do a show. Let's All do right, it. Let's do a show. Sound a little more excited this time around. Oh, I am. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. Episode 60, the big 6-0. There's no really name for that anniversary, so I'm just going to keep going. Nothing nothing fancy like silver or gold anniversary for number, but I don't know, I'm rambling here. Got a fun show for you today. We have the top, our opinion, the top rookies for fantasy value for the 2020 draft. We have some baseball news, maybe, sort of, and what's becoming in every episode segment. Will they play? Will they not play? We have what we think is a little more information, but we'll get into it later on. And we have uh, the NFL had the deadline. I believe it's tonight at midnight, Ben, for the fifth-year option. Yes, it'll be in an hour and a half. Okay, so uh, by the time you hear this, it'll already have come and gone. The fifth-year option for the rookies drafted in... 2017, although not rookies anymore, so that didn't make much sense. But the players drafted in 2017 who were rookies then. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, we have to start off with a little bit of sad news. Uh, Don Shula, uh, winning his coach, NFL history, uh, coached the Dolphins, uh, I believe the Colts also, when they were in Baltimore. Yes. yes. Uh, has passed away, uh, 90, age 90. Uh, lived a full. Uh, Seemed pretty like pretty exciting life. Certainly accomplished quite a bit. Um, it's sad, but man, he had a hell of a run. Yeah, I mean, at least he got the you know the live his life to the fullest. Yeah, he got to experience everything. He he pretty much checked all the boxes off of his NFL life, and then um, I don't know what his you know I don't know what he had going on down in. Um, florida as far as like businesses but you know i think he had a restaurant and was successful because you know it's don shula yeah exactly yeah it's not yeah you're gonna go there just because of the name and his, his legacy is gonna be that he's the only coach to coach a team to a undefeated season and i you know as, as a patriot fan I, it kills me to say that because we were so close but yeah you've got to but... give someone their due when they they only they're only record 
uh, in the books he has. Well, six rings kind of make that that a little more easy to digest, but that it does. I mean, yeah, he, you know, let's let's remember too. Like I said, winning his coach in NFL history, he majority, I believe, all of when he coached was a shorter season than they have now. So he won more games with shorter seasons, which means it took him a lot more years to do. Yeah, which is not. It sounds like a slate, but it's not. It's just a show. He was great for a very long period of time. There was longevity there, you know. So credit to him, and uh, really, really sorry to see him go. Um, honestly, was he was se- before my time. I think our, our time. So yeah. I don't know a lot about the man, but we, you know, you know, a legend when you hear about one, and uh, it's you know, hopefully his family can take solace in the fact that he accomplished so much during his career, and may he rest in peace. I agree. Well, no easy transition from anything like that, so we're not going to try. That'd be in poor taste. But uh, we do have our list of the top. It's a top five list, technically, but we took uh, top four uh, fantasy impact rookies, and we do have one sleeper each. So we're going to start that right now and Ben you want to go first I'm going to go first what do you got I'll go first uh, All right, who number, you got for four? number four is going to be Justin Jefferson with the Minnesota Vikings good pick I just I just think you know Stefan Diggs is gone there's a huge void available and it, it's going to take him a while to get in you know, contact with Kirk Cousins and I'm also with all my picks I'm factoring in that it seems like the offseason is going to be reduced. So your fantasy rookie impact that typically happens may be less than this year just by that. But I do like the option that Justin Jefferson has to come in and step in and potentially be the number two to Adam Thielen. Uh, we've seen what Kyle Rudolph does. He can be hit or miss sometimes. Dalvin Cook's going to be Dalvin Cook. Uh, Madison's going to do what he can do in his second season. I just think there's a huge void. Uh, I'm kind of shocked that I put him number four, but I feel like the other three are going to potentially have bigger impacts. Uh, Justin Jefferson's going to rely more on knowing the offense, and if he doesn't learn it fast enough, he you're not going to see the 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 uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but the when you, if you spend a draft pick on him, you're not going to see the return on investment sooner. So if it was me, I wouldn't take him till later in the draft. We're talking 11, 12, 13, where a lot of your middle tier wide receivers are already gone. So what, what do you what do you think? You said middle rounds. You drafted yeah, middle rounds. I went middle round 11 to 13, just because. Okay. I see the top. T- Obviously, we know where the top tier is going to go. And then the second tier is going to go off the board really quickly. I just think 11 to 13 is kind of where he's going to go. I think that's very reasonable, actually. I, I think any young position player where you don't know where they're going to fit into an offense, I think that's very – I may not know as much about the college players as you, but when it comes to the fantasy draft and value, yeah, we're both right there. And – uh I'd agree with that. I think that that's a perfect opportunity to take a chance, position to take a chance on somebody. So that's good. For me, number four is the Eagles' new favorite toy, 
not named Miles Sanders, Jalen Rhaegar. Um, I mean, I think he's going to do everything receiver-wise that they haven't had there and seems like forever. I know they've had talented receivers there, but it's, it feels like forever since they've had one. Uh, but he's going to be the number one because Deshaun Jackson can't stay healthy. I mean, say the same thing for Alshon Jeffrey if he even plays. You never know. This kid can come in, and with him and Miles Sanders, who, by the way, Miles Sanders should be the focal point of that offense. With his explosiveness, his running, his pass-catching ability, his running ability, he should be the focal point, kind of like Nick Chubb in Cleveland. But I think Regler is going to have a, a very, very respectable year. I'm not saying he's going to set rookie receiving records or anything, but he's – I could easily see him getting eight to 900 receiving yards and – Seven to nine touchdowns. Okay, I could see that very in that offense very respectably. Getting that, he's you know, he fits that offense very well. I would take him. You know, I'm going to sign a broken record because you just said it in the later rounds, eleven to thirteen final well, final rounds usually reserved for kicker or defense. But I mean, I would take him ten to eleven to, to thirteen range. I mean, you don't know what he is yet on a professional level, so you can't you can't risk a high round pick on him. There's too much talent available still. I mean, unless of course you're in like a 16 team draft, which is crazy. Um, then you know, take him as you see fit. That's a whole different breakdown right there. But if you're in a standard eight to 12 team league, I, I'd say I think 10th round would be more than respectable to take a chance on a guy who could be one of the focal points of an offense that looks like it could be a lot better than last year. Yeah, yeah. I don't doubt that. Uh, my number three is going to be HR3. That is Henry Ruggs III with Las Vegas. Uh, Chucky just got a new toy, and he's going to use it. He's going to use it in any way he can imagine. Kick return, punt return. Uh, I see them using him in the backfield. Wildcat formation, and I know uh, Jalen uh, Regor and a little bit with Lavishka Chenault Jr. did that, but I just think he he took this player at that spot for a reason, right? Because I I think he yeah I remember yeah I had Ceedee Lamb and Jerry Judy ranked ahead both uh, of HR three, and they were all three of them on the board. And Chucky took him. So that tells me he loves what he sees. Right. They have what? Uh, Terrence Williams, I think, or Tyrell Williams. And Hunter I believe Renfell. it's Tyrell, yeah. And then they have Hunter Renfo. And the tight end that always escapes me for some reason. Um, and obviously, they have Jeremy, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs, but. Darren Waller. Thank you, Darren Waller. Uh, I just think they're just going to try to utilize them in any way, shape, or form. And that is fantasy impact right there. That is shades of a younger LaShawn McCoy, a young Deshaun Watson, uh, Deshaun Jackson. How you did it too. <laughs> I did it too, yeah. Uh, that's just, that just tells me that if he's on the field more and he can show his explosion and, and performs, you know, gets a hand like – three uh, punt returns in a season on top of six, seven, 800 yards, a few touchdowns. 
like you're talking that's production right there oh sure sure and i see him relatively the same as jefferson 10 to 13 kind of position in a round position just because again we're talking about looks like no off season so he is going to be strictly on his talents and he is supremely talented no argument in in there and to your point about uh when vegas took him when all three were on the board you did have the other two ranked higher but even you said the difference between the three was a matter of just your play style yep you you said that multiple times you're like they're all talented they're all going to be good uh just what do you need yeah and they need that Vegas needed that guy who could take the top off the defense. This is what Antonio Brown was brought in to do last year before he flipped his lid. Yeah. And I don't have as much faith in him. Not Nothing to do with him. I think when it comes to offense, John Gruden is out of touch. I don't know if I can – I don't know. I think this will be – this will be – this will tell us where he's at as far as the NFL today. Because if he can't take HR3 and show what he, his ability is – and show what he did at Bama that he can do the pros, which I believe he can. Then it just tell it, it proves your theory, right? That he's out of touch. All right. At the risk of being cliche, okay. my, my number three is the first overall pick Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now I want to make one thing very clear. If we are, if we didn't already, this is fantasy value. Every year you have players who do not have great years as far as the team winning and losing, but statistically they're great. Kyler Murray had a great fantasy year last year. Yeah, he did. And he was probably drafted in the eighth or ninth round of most 12-team leagues. I think it's going to be the same with Joe Burrow this year. If, and this is a big if, all his weapons can stay healthy. See, that's why I didn't consider him. That's the only if, but I think if they do – you could see a guy who could throw for 4,000 yards, could get 30-plus touchdowns, maybe even more if he can you know, not turn the ball over, which we don't know at a pro level how he'll handle that. So if you have, you know, you talk John Ross, uh, you talk um, A.J. Green. If A.J. Green's healthy, that's a game-changer. Uh, then you're talking um, uh, T. Higgins. Is that his name they brought in from? That's in the, the draft, draft in the first, first yes, round, yeah. or second round, second round, first pick of the second round. Yeah, uh, Joe Mixon is, is I, I think he's an elite level talent at running back. So if if Joe Burrow can come in and manage that and shine, I mean, you could see this kid really being one of the steals of the fantasy draft. Um, or if everybody gets injured like they usually do in Cincinnati, he could have nothing to work with, and then if he still looks good. You know you got a real champion on your hands, but that, that remains to be seen. Certainly don't wish anybody bad health, but uh, I think you're going to get a lot of people who have bought the complete and total Burrow hype and draft him after you get that first wave of elite quarterbacks. You got a lot of people who are going to try to outsmart him, uh, outsmart the rest of the league. And God, I think you could probably see him going in the seventh or eighth round. Really? Which I wouldn't touch him there. But I think you're going to have a lot. Look at like Kyler Murray last year. Kyler Murray panned out. 
But you had people after you got Mahomes and Watson and, and those guys off the board. Uh, Lamar Jackson will be an early rounder this year again. He was late last year because he was a steal because he wasn't that great the year before. But he won't he won't get away with that this year. But Burrow, once you get past that elite level, you're going to have people who are in the 8th or ninth round going, oh, I need a quarterback. Do I want to take Roethlisberger? Do I want to take a chance on Derek Carr? Yep, screw it. I'll take this Burrow kid. Couldn't be worse. I know to draft somebody like Kirk Cousins in round 13 to kind of alleviate that just in case. They have a solid guy who can throw later on. But I think I personally wouldn't take him. But I think you're going to see a lot of people. I wouldn't take him in 8 or 9, but I would take him in the late round just to see. But I think he's going to be overdrafted. But I think he's going to go in the 8th or ninth round. I can see your point. Um, I'm hoping that you wouldn't draft him, which is I'm glad to hear that you wouldn't, or at least late, late in the draft. I just, I think what's going to happen. I love Joe Mixon and he is going to help that kid tremendously. His problem is going to be AJ green, Tyler Boyd and John Ross. All three of these guys are in the last year of their deal because AJ green's got the franchise John Ross got his fifth-year option declined, so he's in his fourth and final season. Tyler Boyd's in his fifth-year option right now. So they're all going to be looking for new contracts, and I don't think any of them are going to make it. You're going to see midseason, it's going to be Joe Burrow, T. Higgins. And I just don't think there's enough there that by the middle of the season, you're going to be looking at and saying, dang, I I drafted Joe Burrow in the sixth round, and I got nothing for him. And what would be more painful, Chris, is if you kept them the following season, I think they're going to add a piece or two in wide receiver because they're going to let those three go and just move on and start to reset that wide receiver core, starting with T. Higgins, and then moving on to next year because there's going to be another crop of receivers next year. I agree with you on uh, A.J. Green. I'm surprised he's still there. And John Ross, I think – I think they're all but gone. Even no matter what kind of year they have, they're going to be gone next year. Yeah. Um, I do think they like Tyler Boyd. And if he can stay healthy and perform like he did a few years ago this year, I could see him getting an extension and having them rebuild that offense with um, Joe Mixon, Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, get a tight end, throw a third receiver in there, build up the line, and just try to really get out to the races and and build something special offensively. But, again, I see your point with Tyler Boyd and his health. That's been an issue. And they have to be smart because you're talking about contract extension with, with, with Tyler Boyd. I'll, I'll, I'll trump you and say they have to factor in what they're going to do with Joe Mixon. Oh, they're going to resign him. No, no, no. I, I know that they're going to resign him. Um they resigned him, so they're now that he's got more money coming at him, and they have to they have to be intelligent, unlike some teams, and make sure you stagger these contracts correctly, and make sure you get your bang for the buck. Atlanta instead of instead of Tyler Boyd, who I don't know if that's you may have Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, so you don't need Tyler Boyd because T Higgins is younger, probably faster, hasn't had the well, I mean, he had a couple of health issues in college, but not the extent that Tyler Boyd's had. So the 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 prudent move would be to draft him later 
like you said you would mm-hmm. 13 12 if you're bigger league 14 15 and catch him on that keeper if you don't have any other options that's that'll be my thought on him no i agree i wouldn't like i said i, I think he's gonna be overdrafted but I, I wouldn't i wouldn't personally but i think but i do think th- there's potential for a really solid fantasy season from him yeah. okay my number two it's gonna stun you DeAndre Swift. Oh, uh, I haven't heard you say that name before. <laughs> so I, I this is a this is an indictment on Carryon Johnson uh, going down last year, and uh, I love Carryon too. Productive player. I just think he doesn't he's not he doesn't have that gear that DeAndre Swift has. Uh, he's going to get an opportunity. We know he's going to get an opportunity. You don't take a running back in early second round. And he doesn't get a shot. And he, when he gets his opportunity, he's going to succeed. Uh, I just think he's going to pr- produce to a level that they're they're going to be forced to go with him day, uh, down by down. And I think I would take him because we know how running backs go. When players start to pick running backs, they literally just start clicking off that board, especially with your – uh, if you're in a keeper league, obviously some of them are already taken off the board. But when they go, they start they they rip off the off the board quick, and you're set you're saddled off with nothing if you don't pick up anything quickly. So I would take them in the seventh to eighth round, which may be a little high, but we know how running backs are. Oh yeah. If you wait till the tenth round to get a, a second running back or a third running back you're in a bad shape. So this if, might be an opportunity. If you wait to the 10th round to pick up your second running back, you're screwed. I don't care if you're in a six team league, that's asinine. You need help. Please email us. We'll be happy to walk you through it. Who you got second? I have the guy who starting in 2021 will be the sole starting running back for the Kansas city chiefs. Mr. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. The name is quite a mouthful. Uh, I didn't know a lot about this kid, honestly, until I saw him at the draft, and I did watch quite a bit of video on him. And like a lot of college players, you only got one, well, even like Joe Burrow, you only got one really great year because the rest of the time they were, you know, fighting for playing time or whatever, then they get their one chance to shine, then then they graduate or they just leave for the draft, whatever. I'll tell you what, though. Look back at Andy Reid's history. Andy Reid knows running backs. Add to that the Chiefs' history, not only with running backs, but uh, before, excuse me, not only with Andy Reid, but even before Andy Reid. And some of them were only for two or three years. They were really dominant. You had your Larry Johnsons, your Priest Holmes. But they know how to develop them. They know how to use them. This kid was he which just reminds me of David Johnson during David Johnson's great year watching him play he can run he can receive he's like great value Christian McCaffrey value. Uh, oh it took me a second to figure that way okay and, I and I'm not saying that's not a knock by the way that's only because he hasn't proven it in the pros yet that's the Christian, only reason Christian. I say 
Christian had a few years in college, so that's right. That's the only reason I say it like that. It's it's not a slight. It's not anything against the Chiefs. I've been accused of that recently for some reason, even though I do nothing but praise Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> um, I think I'm president of the non-Chiefs fan Patrick Mahomes fan club, and yet I'm still accused of hating the Chiefs. That's um, funny. I really don't care, but like I don't hate him, so whatever. Uh, but I think you could see a lot of what they wanted to do with Kareem Hunt with Edward Hilaire. He looks, he looks to be a bit smaller. Um, Hunt always, always, I don't know if it's just all the pads or whatever, but he always looks like a bigger guy than Hilaire looks like. Hilaire looks a lot smaller and shiftier. You've brought up uh, issues with pass blocking. Yes. Um, I haven't actually seen that because I haven't, I don't, go to the depths as far as the college game goes that you do. So I don't know that. I'll only say this. If Andy Reid and the Chiefs take a running back in the first round, you bet your ass they're going to find a way to make it work to fit him in, and they see something in the kid. So I – running backs always get drafted early, and they get drafted high, even for their talent level compared to other positions. This kid's going to be going in the fifth or sixth round. I would not be – possibly even the fourth round in some leagues. If you get a Chiefs fan that's really overzealous, you could even see it higher. But you get a he, Chiefs fan, it could be second round. Yeah, honestly. And, I mean, the value this kid could give you – I mean, Damian Williams is the starter right now, but he – can catch, he can run. Hilaire can catch, he can run. You can fit them both in that very, very dynamic offense. And this kid is going to, early in the season, you're going to see Damian Williams get some more of those opportunities. And Hilaire might have a little bit of a slow start, which might be good for some people on the free agent wire because you might have some that lose hope. If you see him on a waiver wire, pick him up. Oh, yeah. Pick him up and store him even if they're not using him. Because they will use him. It may be till week three or four before you see a big return on this kid. He is going to have a great year, and he's going to be in a running for offensive rookie of the year. See, my only issue is, is, is like I said, like I told you, the pass blocking. Sure. If he proves that he can't do it, they're not going to put him on the field, and he's not going to show his value. If you get him, so if you get him in the fifth or sixth round, and he shows that burst that level of excellence that's a great keeper for the next year i just think he's going to go too high to be a keeper for not enough production shown on the field and he could explode in his second year especially if for any reason damian williams moves on uh i know they re-opt him on a a restricted basis but i'm probably uh, guessing here he'll be up as a UFA and they won't want to pay him because they have to pay Patrick Mahomes. Right. That's why they drafted a layer, honestly. Just, and that's probably fair. It's just, you have to figure out how to pass block, which is why I favor JK Dobbins over all the other running backs. But I didn't pick JK Dobbins because of what, what a uh, system he's in right now for this season, at least next season, that could be a different story. Oh yeah, the the only yeah that's it. The only reason I didn't pick Dobbins is because they're still in the Mark Ingram 
Mark Ingram led backfield. So and just Justice Hill, right? Gus Edwards plus Lamar Jackson. So that's the only reason why J.K. is not on my list. If J.K. went to Kansas City, then we have a we have a different discussion, and I'm putting him at number one on my on my list. Yeah, this kid's gonna break out though. He's gonna be huge. Speaking of which, my number one is C.D. Lamb. I'll tell you why, Chris, and I understand you have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup ahead of him. I say to you, what is your confidence level in one Amari Cooper? Oh, zero. And uh, honestly, Gallup, okay, you know that's a sarcastic answer. Honestly, out of ten, no. I'd say I'd say optimistically a six. And Michael Gallup, has he proven he's consistent performer? No, because he wasn't healthy all of last year. They're going to get this kid the ball in space, and he's going to show in three weeks. He's going to show Dak Prescott what he can do. And Dak is going to want to feed this kid the ball. And Amari is not going to care. We understand that. This is why this is probably one of the reasons why Jerry said I will give you the hundred million dollars because Amari Cooper could have five for one fifty and three touchdowns and next week have one for ten on three targets <laughs> and not care. You give him one catch after a week, he has a good week. That's a goose egg all day and you know it. But he but no no no. He's not going to care. I'm no. talking about the person. No, he's he doesn't not care. Going to care, so he could see CD Lamb get fed, 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 fed. Guess what? I'm Amari Cooper. I'm still getting paid, and Michael Gallup, he's still progressing. I know Michael's got a year or two in the league, but I just think CD Lamb. I think he's explosive. I think he's and he's played with two. Um, Heisman Trophy Award winners, and Jalen Hurts was up for last year. It it just tells me he is going to perform above expectations that any Cowboys fan can imagine. And he's going to do. I think the latest he'll go is the tenth round. I think in seven or eight, right there, right after that first burst of of wide receivers. And when you get to that middle part receivers, you're going to consider C.D. Lamb. It's going to be a gamble early on. But I'm telling you, two, three, four weeks into the season, he's going to pay off. Oh, I can see that. Uh, I didn't, only didn't put him on my list because he's on the Cowboys. Yeah. And I only say that, not, not to be a smartass or anything, but you have a team that builds their offensive line and paid Zeke Kelly a lot of money. They want to be run first. That's fine. A lot of run first teams have great receivers. That's okay. But then you have Amari Cooper, who isn't going to complain about, he's not going to complain about only getting three targets. But Jerry Jones wants his $100 million toy to prove he didn't make a mistake. So you think he's not already in Mike McCarthy's ear. Hey, tell Dak this, tell Dak that. Which brings me to Dak. And... He's going to go. This is going to show you a lot about Dak's character. Either he's going to take his franchise money and say, I'm making X amount of dollars guaranteed, 
and I'm playing for a contract, whether it's here this year or Andy Dalton takes my spot next year and I go somewhere else. Or you're going to see him all pouty face like he was half of last year. Which isn't going to be good for C.D. Lamb. My issue with C.D. Lamb is nothing to do with C.D. Lamb because he's one of the few players I've seen a lot of, and the kid is ridiculous. I agree 100%. If you put him on a team that had a, a quarterback you knew was going to be there without a guy who was the focal point of the offense as the running back and a guy like Amari Cooper who already got a huge salary and they got Michael Gallup. I think Michael Gallup's the real deal. I really do. I think that kid's going to be really, really good as long as he gets out of Dallas. Receivers. I know people are going to say Michael Irvin, but I stand by this point. Receivers just aren't a big deal in Dallas. They're just, they're just not. Like, C.D. Lamb has all the talent to be a star stud top player, and I totally see him getting drafted where you said I can actually understand where you're coming from there. Because someone's, especially a Cowboys fan, is going to go, 7th or 8th round, him and Dak are going to light it up. Yeah, okay. Until Z carries the ball 35 times. And Amari drops it six times. And Gallup has to miss the third quarter because he's straightened something. Like, And I also see him, early on at least, I see him going back for at least punts, if not kick returns. And that could add value. So I can understand that. Like, I hope I'm wrong because I want to see him do well because I really like the player. But I, there's so many variables in Dallas. But then again, I picked Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, and there's way more variables there. So what do I know? Well, what do you know? What's your first pick, Chris? Mr. Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos. Now of the Denver Broncos. They drafted. You, you actually, you could almost see behind John Elway's really weird, creepy smile to why he drafted receivers in the first and second round back-to-back. They're trying to win an arms race with the Kansas City Chiefs. They know that's what they have to do. That's why they got Melvin Gordon. That's why they kept their 17 running backs. That's why they drafted, you know, the first two rounds. That's why they had their tight end from last year, quarterback. They know what they're going to have to compete with. And they've been building. They already had a pretty solid defense. They've moved some parts around and they've lost some talent, but it's still really good. That offense looks like it could be low-key one of the best offenses in the AFC, if not the whole league next year. And I know for what a team that was offensively kind of uh, mediocre last year, good, mediocre to good, I just present you the Arizona Cardinals and say this is a team that you get the right quarterback in there, you get a few good players in there, they can make it work. And, they can... and and you have to add on, you dealt with a stupid GM to get an uber-talented player for peanuts. Exactly. So, I mean, this kid is going to be the focal point of that offense. Uh, I can't remember his name. Who's the kid they drafted last year? Uh, who? Uh, the Denver? receiver, Denver. Um, Denver, Cortland. Cortland Sutton. Really, really good. He's going to be a really nice number two because Judy's going to take the top spot. I don't think he's going to quite get drafted where C.D. Lamb is or was or you project he will be. Yeah. Um, I could see him going right after. Well, I, you know what? I don't know, actually. I think he really could be right up there drafted with C.D. Lamb. 
So I'd say, I'd say ninth round. Right after, you're not going to get, he's not going to be in the top tier. He's not going to obviously be anywhere near the, at least this year, depending on what he does this year. He's not going to be in the Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas tier. He's going to be on the back end of that second wave where I think CeeDee Lamb's going to be. So I think, you think he ended up there. It's an interesting decision. I still say Edward Hilaire is my pick for rookie of the year, but I think Judy's going to be up there too. Okay. Um, if I had to go someone right now off the cuff, uh, unfortunately I'll have to go to Joe Burrow just because quarterbacks kind of get uh, get the slant towards them a little bit. Yeah. But Kind of like I MVP. Don't, I don't know if he's going to st- – uh, shine this year but well i mean let's let's i'll I'll be honest with you chris they um the nfl uh, espn.com has uh jerry judy as number two uh looks like deshane hamilton or deshaun hamilton is on the way out because he's got kj hamler as the number three guy too which makes sense Oh, yeah, Judy it's Sutton a, and Hamler. That's a really nice offense, receiver-wise. Noah Fant looked, looked pretty good, too, last year when he got time to play with Drew Locke. So. He did. It's, it is a, as you said, it's an arms race on offense yep. in the AFC West. And there's going to be a couple teams that are going to be left behind if they don't catch up quick. And I don't – honestly, I don't have faith in Justin Herbert to be that guy. So when San Diego find – I'm sorry. <clears throat> the L.A. Chargers find out that Justin Herbert isn't it, they will be left in the dust. Well, I think it'll take him a few years to see what he is. But not everyone can be a Patrick Mahomes. They just shine the minute they step on the field. No, that's true. And speaking of being left in the dust – why don't we uh, dig into the sleepers? All right. So these are guys that were drafted later in the draft, not necessarily seventh round, but and honestly, I, I looked at seventh round and I just like I can't I can't really reach that far. No, but we, we're trying to pick logical players yeah. too, based on the people around them, also. So I mean, we weren't trying to just you know pull it out of her, you know what, to say, hey, look at this guy. Here's a random name. So. What do you so got? I, look, I looked at two players. I looked at Devin Asaizai. Asaizai. thank you. Wow. Chris is correcting me on how to say a name. That's a first. Nailed it. Sorry. Go ahead. At, a, <laughs> at, a, at a New England. Uh, and I looked at Anthony McFarlane, the running back uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I went with Anthony McFarlane. I just don't know what the Pats offense is going to look like. McFarlane, I think, is going to have opportunity to start because we've seen James Conner, what he is. And he might not be a 16-game running back. It just – it doesn't look like that's the case on him. And and I know they they were hoping – that he would be that next guy after Lev Bell. It just doesn't seem that way. And you have Jalen. I know you have Jalen Samuels ahead of him and Benny Snell Jr. They drafted last year. Samuels they drafted the year before. 
but none of them could take that spot when James Connors went down. Like they couldn't secure it. No. So much so that they draft, even though it's the fourth round, they drafted a guy in the fourth round. And that just tells me he's going to have an opportunity, ripe opportunity. Yep. When James Connors goes down to be the focal point of the offense, even though he's a little undersized. Willie Parker was undersized. You remember him? Yeah. So, but I'll say this, what, how I draft, I know it's unveiling a little secret, but if you're in our league, you know, I'd kind of do this every year is I grab my defense, my, my kicker before the last pick of the draft or the last round. And that last round, whether it be, you know, round 13, 14, 15, I'll take a flyer. I would take a flyer on Anthony McFarlane for the fact if he shows his ability and becomes a starter, now I have a a 13th round keeper for a running back that's, you know, a tier two, maybe a low tier one if he shows his ability. And that's value right there. Um, Who do you got, Chris? I have, I believe he was drafted in the third round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mr. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, running back. Um, I mean, if ever there is a chance for somebody to come in who was not touted highly and make an impact at the only position of weakness on the offense, only skill position of weakness on the offense. Yeah, that's probably fair. It, well, it's not receiver. No. It's not tight end. No. Even at 43, I wouldn't call Tom Brady a weakness with all that talent around him. Running backs really their only point of contention. I had a few guys they've tried and rotated the last couple of years, but it hasn't worked out. This kid is you watch highlights of him. He's not you don't you don't see him and go, Oh wow, that's an ex- that's a second coming of Nick Chubb, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Or Christian McCaffrey. But you see a solid running back who stays up when he's hit, who's won over twelve hundred yards the past two seasons in college, was consistent, and granted, it wasn't like he played for LSU or anything, but still, that's a good running, good rushing totals. Yeah. On a team that's going to utilize the running back. I mean, they wanted to utilize, you know, Bruce Arians wanted to utilize it when they didn't have anybody to run the ball with. And, you know, you saw him with what he could do with a guy like David Johnson, the kind of success David Johnson had under Bruce Arians. So, Arians wants to use the running back, whether it's rushing, receiving. He wants to use them. And he's going to get opportunity because it's a shallow talent pool of running back in Tampa Bay. And you have a lot of people around him who are superior talents at their position who are going to take focus off of him and let him develop. So I'm not calling him to be, you know, uh, Edwards Hilaire numbers from Kansas City. But this kid could have a really solid season. I wouldn't take him anywhere before the 10th round. He'd be a very late sleeper for me. So this is the continually problem with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though, is that the past few seasons it's been that revolving door. Even before Arians got there, it was just a revolving door between sure. uh, Ronald Jones and the other guy. I, keep, I always forget the other guy. Yeah, I do too. 
He's uh, gone now. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but now it's a it's a whole nother issue where you got Vaughn and now Ronald Jones. And that's the that's the biggest problem we always have with Tampa Bay is just you never know. And you can store them on your roster, but if you need some, but if you like like with me last year, I went down with a couple running backs and I think I had one of the Tampa, I know I had one Tampa Bay running back at one point. I might have had two at one point. And it's like, who do I start? And it, it was just frustrating. So I get what you're saying. It makes sense. It's just that frustration with that running back position in Tampa Bay. Uh, makes me just want to stay away sometimes. Sure. But if you're, you're, you know, you're looking for a running back. And you're in, you know, round eleven or twelve, and he's still on the board. Especially in a deep league, it's worth a flyer. Yeah. Based on what he could do, you know. So, I take a chance on him, but only in the late rounds. All right. So now, the players who were drafted this past season, or going into this season, excuse me. I have no concept of time. Much like a lot of us now, we, you know, it's Sunday. We think it's Wednesday. We have no idea. Uh, we're going to go back in time to 2017 and discuss the players that were drafted in the first round that year. Well, at least the AFC players who were drafted first round last year, because like I said, at the start of the show, fifth year options, the deadline's coming up in, oh, about 43 minutes, but every team appears to have already made their decision. So we're going to run down some of the names. Uh, if, if you don't know the fifth year option, is for first-round picks exclusively. And the team can, before the start of the first... Excuse me. The team can, before the start of the fourth season, there's a deadline, of course, but they can choose to exercise a fifth-year option on the player or not exercise a fifth-year option, and a player will then become a free agent unless another contract is agreed upon. So, Ben, if you look at the fifth-year players, excuse me, Look at the players who had a fifth-year option picked up or declined. What was your biggest surprise? Um, biggest surprise. Or were there any? Because it looks pretty straight up to me, honestly. Honestly, if you had to tell me it was one surprise, maybe Malik Hooker with uh, Indianapolis. Okay. I, mean, I thought he was. I thought he was playing well but I guess they just don't want to pay him the money that it was going to cost to keep him on a fifth-year option. Uh, that would be my only thing. I just – there's not really a surprise. I mean, out, out of the people that got declined. I mean, Fournette, I'm not surprised. Davis and Ross, shocker. Just shocker the options picked up. Uh Garrett Bowles, I mean, he was getting publicly lambasted by John Elway at some points yeah. last year and the year before. I was waiting for that to win to come come through. Garrett he was Conley, a big letdown, yeah. Got, yeah, he got traded from the Raiders to uh, – I think he got traded to the Raiders – from the Raiders to the Texans. Um, and Taco Charlton, which, by the way, I am familiar with Taco because he was a Michigan Wolverine. I was stunned when the Cowboys took him in the first round and I was waiting to see him fail. And he failed not only in um, 
Dallas. He failed in Miami. Miami cut him at the end of the season. And now he's signed with the Super Bowl champions. So we'll see what that turns out. Does he know if he signs after the season, he doesn't get a rank? uh, I hope he, I would assume he does. Somebody explain that to him. Yeah. He might think he's getting an invite to the party, but he's not. (laughs) No. They already had Uh, it, but. I would say I'm shocked on. There's two things I'm shocked about because we know, well, we won't get in the NFC. Uh, but as far as like extensions, I, I'm. I know Mahomes. They're working on him. Watson. Apparently, they're working on him. But I, I know what you're going to say. I already know it. What, what am I going to say? Tre'Davious White. No, actually, I was going to go Jamal Adams, but I, oh, okay. I'm at like surprise that it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I know they're working on it. And that one's going to be tricky. I think that one's going to take a while. I'm stunned that Jamal Adams doesn't have his extension already. Because that's a guy you want to invest in. I know he's a safety, but this is this is one of those game-changing safeties. Yes. This is, this is Derwin James will show what he can do next year. And when the that, start, that date starts in the offseason next year, that they can start extension conversations like Derwin James should have one before the next deadline because he'll be next offseason, he'll be on the fifth year option list. Right, right. And I just, I, I'm at this point, if I'm, I'm Jamal Adams, I might just take it to the fifth year and then go UFA. I, well, I know the- he. Go ahead. The player, the players have no say in this. This is a team option, so he can't. Jamal Adams can't take it anywhere. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about after the fifth year options. Oh, okay, okay. He should just go UFA because they're just right. They're gonna screw around with him. They're gonna they, try to get him for what they want, and and this is a guy who's showing dedication and he wants to be in New York. Oh yeah, we know is stunning because not a lot of people do. No, and it, he should just move on. He that. He's too talented to just sit in New York and just be like Khalil Mack in Chicago. Just talent wasted. Rotting away their best years. Yeah, Jamal Adams is an elite level talent. And the fact that he still wanted to work with them and try to be positive after they told him, hey, we're going to keep you. And then he found out they tried to trade him. And he still, I mean, he got a little bit, a little immature there. But considering the history of the front office for the New York Jets not being the most upfront. Uh, I can't blame the kid, honestly. He's an elite talent. And I, want, I, for one, as a Patriots fan, as a fellow team in the AFC East, hope they mess it up and don't re-sign him. And he goes out of division, hell, even out of conference. So i got to deal with him twice a year. That'd be nice. But in all seriousness, he's a great talent. I'm glad you brought up the point, though, of not so much a surprise in anybody being declined or picked up, but yeah, mine was going to be Tredavious white. My only surprise was he has not gotten an extension yet. The bills seem like they're really trying to build a team that can compete for the next handful of years. They're going to need this guy. If they want that, if you lose him, I don't care who else you have on defense. He's a cornerstone of that defense. He's a lockdown dominant player. You cannot lose him like you did Stephon Gilmore. And that's what that was uh, going to be my uh, follow up to you is: Do do they really think they're going to get lucky after losing Stephon Gilmore and draft 
another person if they lose Tredavious White? Do they really think that's going to happen? Especially with the team uh, they're building, are they going to be able to? Because even though Tredavious White was drafted, it seems like uh, later in the the draft, they're going to be drafting in the late twenties. Are they going to get a talented player like that, or are they going to be able to develop someone like that after he's gone, or are they going to get lucky in his last year and draft somebody at corner? I tell you what, where would the Buffalo Bills be or have been the past couple of years if they were able to re-sign Stephon Gilmore and still had a talent like Tredavious White? That secondary would be just – the defense itself on. would be untouchable. Right. But they don't I mean, pay defensive players for some reason. And they'll pro- they probably – if they signed Stephon Gilmore, they'd probably be looking at Tredavious White right now and – They'll probably give him his fifth year option, but after his fifth year, he'd be probably done because they maybe Stephon Gilmore, or they'd be cutting Stephon Gilmore in age, at age like thirty one or thirty two. I mean, it, it, if you are smart with your money, you can move it around. But at this point, we have to you know just say you know they move on from Stephon Gilmore. They can't do the same with Tredavious White, especially when Tredavious is a a bigger body, not taller but he's a bigger body who you would think can last longer than a slight built Stefan Gilmore by the way is exceptionally talented it's no diss on him but he may not age as well as a Tredavious White remains to be seen I think I think you're a little more accurate with uh they'd have them both they'd renegotiate with Tredavious after they tried traded Stefan they'd probably try to get whatever they could for him but they still would have had three more years with him, him and him and Tredavious White just tearing it up in the in the secondary. It would have gave it, it would definitely would have given Tom more problems than just having one of them on the field. Not only that, how many big plays did Stephon Gilmore make during big moments? Right. I mean, you kind of forgot how great he could be because a lot of times in big games they wouldn't throw his way. But I still say that that tip away uh, in in um in Jacksonville. And the year they lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, before 50, oh God, 50 or so many of them, I forget now. 54, I think it was. That is first world problems, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First first team problems, we'll call it. <laughs> um, the six ring problems. Yes. Uh, no, but, uh, I mean, that was one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen. And if they don't make that play, they probably don't win that game. They're probably nowhere near that winning that game if it's not for a guy like Gilmore. So... Not only how much better with Buffalo's fortunes have been, not only defensively but as a team, but the Patriots would have lessened also because they wouldn't have had Gilmore. Right. Gilmore had a big play in Super Bowl Fifty Five also against, uh, excuse me, Fifty Four, Fifty Fifty Three. No, 50, I don't know. Whatever one, I lose track now. Math, numbers, championships—it's all just a blur. Um, but that uh, the the Rams Super Bowl. The second one, uh, I forgot who he was defending, but he had that pick late in that game. That was huge. I think it was I mean, uh, Woods. I think, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Woods. It was Robert Woods, yeah. Who's a damn fine I, receiver, but. I don't think Cooks was on the field, and I think Cooper was on the other side. Yeah, I didn't see him. Guard, I didn't think he was guarding Cooper Cup, but. But, I mean. I'm just surprised they haven't tried to work something out yet because they are very big on the. First of all, we, the new Patriots without Tom Brady haven't played a game yet. 
Nobody's played a game since last season. Right. And everybody's already acting like, well, that's it for them. Sorry, guys. They're done. Like, I know Jared Stidham isn't Tom Brady. Everybody's already putting the nails in the Patriots' coffin before even seeing what they put on the field next year. So, I mean, let's let's hold off on the Buffalo Bills or the AFC's champions until they actually do it. Because remember before last season, the Browns had already won the Super Bowl. That's correct. And they didn't even make the playoffs. So let's just, let's keep that in check. And everyone has to realize, and I know we're speaking this from as Patriot fans, you have to realize we can understand the talent pool on the uh, talent pool on the field. We understand that we're not the the Patriots are not the same with Tom Brady without Tom Brady. The coaching talent pool is a different story mm-hmm. because the narrative is it's Bill Belichick, and then you have to go way down to figure out who's number two. And I know it's probably Andy Reid number two, but there is a drop off from from one to two. And it proved last year that, you know, Tom and, and Bill could get him so far, and they needed more talent, obviously. Think but it's Reed or John Harbaugh? It's Reed. I'd, I'd go Reed over yeah. Harbaugh, too, but it's Harbaugh's creeping up there. He is. He is. And they do both have exceptional talent. And if you put the Ravens on the field with the Patriots or the Chiefs on the field with the Patriots right now, I'll take the other teams over the Patriots. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, because they yeah. have Those the are talent. better teams. Yeah, right. They have more talent. Bill can do what he, you know, Bill can do great things on coaching up his team, but he couldn't stop Derrick Henry. So if he can't stop Derrick Henry, he's not going to stop Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Which, by the way, he proved he couldn't stop either one of them last year either. Well, I mean, you can try to polish a turd all you want, but it's still just a shiny turd. So. Right. All right, so moving on to our final topic, and we hate to sound repetitive, but we are a sports podcast, and one of the major sports is trying to decide when they're going to get on the field, being Major League Baseball, of course. We seem to, every show, have some kind of update, joke, non-update about baseball, but... Apparently today, and this is taken with a grain of salt because we've heard this before, a couple of different players were reporting they received an email or there was multiple sources that told them that what they're referring to as spring training too, or they've restarted the spring training, was going to start on June 10th and the season would begin on July 1st and teams will be playing in their home ballparks. I don't think that's with any fans in attendance. I still think that's not happening right now, but the players will be there. And by the way, just anybody who's not aware of it, apparently uh, Korean league baseball has already started playing. Yes. They have. And they're going to be playing on ESPN six days a week. So if you're really hungry for some sports, I'm not the biggest fan of ESPN at times, but Check that out because, as a sports fan, I want to pass it along to fellow sports fans so you can get your fix. Because I think there's going to be one thing though, Chris. I think it's going to be a tape because the Korean League, I believe, will be playing four, five o'clock in the morning our time. I saw it be live at one a.m. Oh well, 
but it probably would tape later on in the day. But but that's what I was implying is like there's no right, way. Right. No, it's not what? live. No, I don't think. I mean, yeah, there's no way it's gonna be live because they just don't play at a decent no. time that would be conducive for you know anyone on the east coast or west coast to be live watching unless you're you know a vampire, which there are people. Uh, that live that kind of life and they are up at the time of day and more power to them. But most <laughs> of your baseball fans are going to not be watching this at one o'clock in the morning. It, so. Under normal circumstances, I would agree with you. People are so starved for live new content and sports right now. Yeah. They're probably going to have record setting numbers during that first week. You're going to better not, not really record setting. That's sarcasm, but you're going to have a lot more people watching that than you think, because people just want, Something. something new and something live right now. Like that's it. Netflix and Hulu, all those are great, but you can only watch so much before you're like, dude, I need something because that's really happening right now. Right. There's, there's, there's nothing new. It's, you know, there's always so much and then they dry up. It's like, I was watching stuff on prime video and now I'm like, you know, I burned through, what was it? Five seasons of uh boardwalk. Oh, such a good show. Five. It's five seasons, right? Five seasons. Yeah. yeah. Five seasons. I burned through that quick. You know, obviously, I'm not going to burn through. I mean, I can burn through Game of Thrones because I got that on a DVD set. I've seen all those like five times, so right. it's like, so it's like, <laughs> I love it, but yeah, <laughs> I can dig through to find something new. But really, let's be real. We we want something fresh, and you know, my my movie, my Black Widow movie, got pushed, which I'm pissed about, got pushed all the way to November because it should have been actually it should have been theaters right now, and it's not. Well, there's only 85 other Marvel movies from the past three years to watch, so. Okay, that doesn't matter because I want to watch the new one. I know, I'm just messing with you, dude. I'm just trying to just trying to get a reaction out of you. I like, get it. Here's the problem with this start date confounding issue that they just can't. It's like what we said the last time, right? They're, they're, they set a date to make a plan right. or a plan. It's like... It's the continuing narrative of the MLB. They just don't know what they're doing. They just have no clue. And honestly, I, we were going to talk about the NHL and, and what they were going to do, and now it seems like that's still up in the air. Yeah, and they're the not NBA, even sure, yeah. Right. And and the NBA, ugh, they're not sure they're going to do their draft or what they're going to do. They're, like, they're still – and I get what's going on, but they're indecisive. Meanwhile, the NFL announced – and Roger Goodell announced that May 7th, the NFL schedule would be releasing. They plan on playing all their games on time. Obviously, things change. You never know, but it's still quite a ways away. Mm-hmm. And they have decided they were going to cancel all international games. So no London games, no no Mexico games this year, nothing, you know, anywhere else they may have tried to play. I know they probably want to try to play one on the damn moon, but nothing international, just... All here, in-house. But, again, indecision from every other commissioner. And Roger Goodell is out there going, nope. And and it's not him alone. He has a team of people who are working through these things. But I blame Goodell for enough when there's a team of people helping him. I got to give him credit when there's a team of people helping him. And as we said last episode, this entire unprecedented situation... He has really handled it very well, best he po- best he possibly could, with a completely unforeseen circumstance. 
any other commissioners are like, uh, we might play, we might not. I don't know. Goodell's like, yeah, we're doing this. So again, hats off to Uncle Roger. And you still see it, Manfred not not showing his face. Adam Silver not showing his face. Gary Bettman not showing like they're not out in front trying. They're not telling people what's going on. Goodell is (laughs) Goodell is telling you, oh, we're going to release the schedule, and these guys can't decide if they're going to play. Are we going to do not to do the draft? Are we going to do the playoffs? How long are we going to do the playoffs for? Where are we going to do the playoffs? We're not sure. They're indecisive on everything. Whereas Goodell is is pinpointing on he's got his his league schedule and he's pinpointing. Okay, this is what's up next. Okay, I think they already they, like months ago, like a month ago they canceled the OTAs, I believe, and yeah. now they're on virtuals, and and they're being very precise on each event. Okay, the next one that's coming up. What's what's up next? Uh, pre preseason and uh training camp. Well, what what well, it looks like it looks like they're gonna start early August, but I would guess in the next week or two, there will be a definitive, this is what's going to happen in August, dot, 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 dot. Right. Because that's what he's been. He's been precise and exact on what they're going to do. And they're still, they're still have this slate of 17 weeks on the schedule and they plan on having all this during the season obviously subject to change but they're make they're they're not making a plan they're actually telling us what the plan is right they're not telling you yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're discuss it and let you know like like you said all other all the commissioners adam silver gary bettman rob manfred nowhere to be seen can't be decisive roger goodell oh let's put myself on live streaming television at the biggest event one of our biggest events in our in our league's year on live television with a record number of people watching and put myself on display. So way, he's right he there. Looked, he's right there as oh he looked exhausted. Don't get me oh, wrong. He, was beat. he, he was looked beaten. Day one. But he was there. And we, we had a plenty of fun joking around with him when he looked like he was passed out every time they flipped to him or he would you know, he started off in damn near a suit and by the end of the day he was wearing a sweater with his feet up eating M and M's. Can't blame him. It's not a bad pastime. But uh, yeah, we had we had our fun with it, but the dude was there. He was out front, like you said. If something changes, you're gonna know about. It. It's not gonna be, well, we might start in September, or it might be October, or I might have to cancel the season. You'll it'll be. Right now, we're doing this. If it changes, you'll know ahead of time, and you'll know because Roger Goodell will tell you. Like I have had a rocky history as far as how I feel about Roger Goodell, to say the least. Rocky is a little bit of a Rocky's a very positive way to put I have not liked him at all. However, I have to give credit where it's due. Oh. And he has been he's handled it as well as you could possibly ask. And maybe part of that is because the other three major sport commissioners have been persona non grata. Like not there. Like you can't they're not doing anything, they're not saying anything. Right. Like it took MLB three months to figure out they couldn't charge people for tickets for games they didn't have. And even now you still can't get a refund. You just get redirected to some page. It doesn't work. But Goodell is like, no, this is happening. That's happening. So hats hats off to a job well done, man. Keep it up. Like that's all I I can say. I would say this. It's probably because they're, let's, let's be honest. NFL is 365. They are not 
a yeah. three, four month, there were 365. So he is, him and his team are like, they're out in front every year. They're number one sport. Let's not beat around the bush. They take the most slings and arrows of any sport out there uh, because they're number one. So you look at baseball and they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. They don't like to change their sport. NBA is the darling. They're the most progressive league and they're very player oriented. So they're, they just, they gush understanding. And unfortunately the NHL, as much as I love playoff hockey, they're just the redheaded stepchild that just gets tucked away to the side until they play their playoffs for a month. It just, it, at this point, it shows everything Goodell deals with on a day-in-and-day-out basis, day, uh, basis has prepped him for this moment. And everything that the other leagues have dealt with, they're just not prepared. As much as you can't be prepared for this, Goodell is ready, willing, and able to show what he's going to do for the league. And the other three just they just have their hands in their pockets waiting, waiting for the governors, the president, the senators, the House of Representatives to let business open up so that they can be like, okay, let's open up. And Roger's saying, nope, we're going to be out in front. We're going to get the viewership because you know what's going to happen on the 7th. They already have a program set. They're probably going to make it a little bit bigger now because of what's going on. They're going to make it an event, although they already kind of do sometimes. Oh, yeah. But it's realistically, it was like a 8 o'clock drop, and it was like an hour program. I never watched it because I, I I don't really care about the schedule. It's a but, big deal, and it's the only thing on, though. Right. And they're going, they're going to take advantage of that, and they're going to do something big. I almost, I would almost guarantee that. And that's what, that's what the other leagues need to understand is he is now going to go on like his third or fourth home run. And all these guys, they're swinging and missing on every opportunity. And it's just sad, especially with the NHL. They could take advantage of the situation, do your draft, do it the way the NFL does it, but differently. And you can hit a home run. You can get viewers in, you can get new fans in, but you're, you're going to whiff on that too. Both MLB and NHL could both use this. Like I said, as a positive way to increase viewership, do some good for people in need, like the NFL did, and just make themselves look better all around. And they have both dropped the ball completely. The NBA, at least the players, have been trying to to provide some content for people to entertain them. Granted, it's hit or miss, but you have to appreciate the effort. Um, but yeah, I mean, of of the, <laughs> if you'd asked me a year ago which of the four commissioners I'd be praising, you know. I would have said silver. <laughs> I would have probably said silver, or I maybe had a little bit of faith that Batman or Manfred could turn it around. I wouldn't have said Goodell, but nah, here we are. So that would have been last on the list. We would have been crapping all over him, assuming he would have failed. And the NBA, it, and the NBA, I think it looked worse because the players are trying to do stuff. Most of the owners are trying to provide for their staff and the local community. It really digs into the league office and only the league office. Right. If you, if you, we want to be honest about it. And, and the, uh, I mean, I, I can beat the, I can beat the 
all the other leagues all night if we wanted to, but it's yeah, just it's done that enough, and we've uh, yeah, we've praised Goodell enough more, probably more in the last week and a half than we have, or probably will for the yeah, previous or future well ten it. years. But not give credit where it's due. So no, no slight at all on the guy. He's been doing his job very well. We're gonna get out of here unless you got anything else. No, I'm all set. Thank you. All right. We got next episode. We got the NFC fifth year options. Yep. And we're going to do the worst managed sports franchise. Yes. So that should not be fun. Just, not just NFL. No. Sports. sports in general. Ben has one. He told me. I'm not going to yeah. say it because we'll see next next episode. However, he's challenged me to find a worst managed and run franchise. And as with anything him and I do, it's not ever. It's in the course of our lifetime. Obviously. It's in the course of our lifetime, so the past 20, 30 years. Uh, there's a few that come to mind off the bat. I'm going to do a little more research. We'll have that for you our next episode. But for now, if you have any thoughts or opinions on any of our topics, we would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can they tell us? Well, you can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Football. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe and stay healthy. We will see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.